0: In a passage talking about healing, I want to start by talking about suffering. (laughs) Have you ever had to suffer a long time? Or maybe you're in the midst of going through some kind of suffering in your life. Maybe it's abuse of one kind or another. Maybe depression. There have been times in my life when I've struggled with discouragement, despondency, or might even call it depression. Times where it's just been really dark in my life and really had doubts and struggles in the midst of that. That's a type of suffering. Maybe you've suffered from rejection, relational discord. Maybe you've had a medical condition that you suffered from, or maybe it's a loved one or a friend who just keeps making poor choices over and over again, and it just causes you grief in your life. Maybe your suffering is due to the loss of a loved one, or maybe it's dreams, hopes, and goals that you've never realized. Or maybe it's some kind of financial or material suffering. There's lots of kinds of suffering in life. Some, we bring upon ourselves internal suffering that or because of poor choices I've made. Sometimes it's external suffering, stuff that just happens that I have no control over. But if we look at life and we look at our lives, there's trauma, there's pain, there's suffering of one kind or another that we've all experienced. And sometimes when we go through that, especially if it's been for a long time, there's questions that come up, like, how does Jesus relate to our pain and suffering? Does he even care? And is there any hope for relief from that suffering? Last week, when Jordan Chapel preached, we talked about a woman who'd been crippled for 18 years. This week, we're looking at a woman who had this bleeding condition, a medical condition that she suffered from for 12 years. It's a long time, 12 years, 18 years, it's a long time to go through suffering and on the surface, it looks like both their sufferings were physical. We're told the woman who had the 18 years of being crippled, there was a spirit involved. But I would argue in both of these cases that neither one of them, um, their suffering could be reduced to just physical or spiritual. There's a whole host of ways that they suffered. And we'll actually look at this woman and the many ways that she probably suffered in her life. And as we look at these passages, we're in the midst of our series on, on who is Jesus, and we're looking at what Jesus did, what he taught, and it's amazing, again, just to look at what he did to, to come and demonstrate who he was, his care, his compassion, how he came to relieve suffering from people's lives. And to those suffering, to those wondering, does God care, trying to figure out um, I'm going to make it through the next day, maybe even the next hour, I assure you that as we look at Jesus, Jesus does care. He does have answers. He has hope. He has peace. He has relief. And he even has joy for us, for those of us who are suffering. So let's start by looking at the at the woman in this passage in Mark 5. 12 12 long years of suffering Physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, and perhaps even in other ways. But those are the ones I came up with for the different ways that she suffered. The passage tells us that she tried money and she tried doctors, but neither one of them worked. She spent all that she had and became poor. She went to doctors time and time again, and instead of getting better, she actually grew worse, and her physical suffering increased. And if we look at the Old Testament, if we look back to Leviticus, we can see some of the other ways that she suffered as well, because the Old Testament talks about ways that someone could become unclean. And last week, Jordan had talked about that the the uncleanness that people had, it wasn't a moral thing about whether they were good or bad or right or wrong, it was clean or unclean and how that related to the community, Leviticus fifteen twenty five through 27, and there's a little broader passage, which I'm not going to read, that could um, relate to this as well, but this passage is relevant to uh, the condition that this woman was going through. It says, When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she'll be unclean as long as she has a discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean till evening. So this woman, because of her medical condition, her bleeding, she was considered unclean for 12 years which would have meant that she was an outcast. She would have been separated from the community. Anything or anyone that she touched would become unclean, as well as anyone who touched her, anything that touched her would become unclean as well. So because of that, she was probably unmarried, or if she had been, most likely she would have been divorced because of this condition, and she most likely didn't have any children either. She was physically weak, she was poor, and I would argue that she probably had no human contact or touch for 12 years. And that's, that's really hard to fathom, not having human touch for 12 years. One of the things they tell you is when someone is in the hospital, when someone is suffering, to touch them, to hold them by the hand, to have that physical contact, that physical touch, to be reminded that there's someone who loves you, that there's someone who... Who cares for you? Human touch matters, and this woman probably did not have that for 12 long years. And so she had all these types of suffering going on in her life, and we could even argue that there was spiritual or religious suffering that she experienced, because in some ways she was, quote unquote, cut off from God. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go to the temple and imagine that her life was full of shame, that she was neglected, overlooked, ostracized, powerless, and desperate after these 12 long years of suffering. She would have been a place of hopelessness, no answers, no relief, no peace. And I wonder, can you imagine her pain, her trauma, Her mental state, her emotional state, her social state. But she hasn't given up completely. In the midst of her desperation, she hears about Jesus and she thinks that Jesus can bring her healing. If I can just get to Jesus, I'll be healed. And she doesn't even think of having a face to face encounter with Jesus. She just thinks if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be free, I'll be healed. And it seems like probably because of her unclean state that she seems afraid to come and talk to him, afraid to have that face-to-face interaction, but she has faith. She has faith in Jesus. And so she probably is doing something to hide her identity, I imagine, that she approaches stealthily in the crowd because she doesn't want anyone to know who she is because there would be immediate Everyone, knowing who she is in her unclean state, they would shun her, get away from her. So I imagine that she is disguised. She's covered herself up so that they can't tell who she is. And she comes up and stealthily approaches behind Jesus in this massive crowd. She touches Jesus' clothes. And she's healed. Verse 29 says, Immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And Jesus calls out, Who touched my clothes? And there's this large crowd that tells us in the passage that there's this huge crowd, they're pressing around Jesus, they're traveling. And the disciples think that that's a laughable question that Jesus would ask. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? In verse 31... They say, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Come on, Jesus, stop the cat. What are you talking about? They saw him still the storm. They saw him put the demon-possessed man in his right mind and free him from his torment. And And yet, they're still incredulous with Jesus. They still don't seem to get it. And every time I see these interactions, I think, thank goodness that Jesus is patient. (laughs) Jesus was patient with the disciples, he's patient with us. And so the woman, she's got faith in Jesus and in his power to heal her and deliver her. She goes to him, she's healed, she's set free from her physical suffering. But Jesus, in his great compassion, he doesn't stop with that. He does much more than relieve her of her physical suffering. He looks around for her. He looks at her and he speaks truth, life and love over her. Verses 32 and 34 or 32 through 34. This is after the or after the woman touched his clothes and she was healed. It says that Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She was afraid and trembling, perhaps fearful because she was unclean and maybe she thought that she was going to spread her uncleanness to Jesus by By touching him. Maybe she was afraid because of the way that she approached Jesus, that she was ashamed because of just coming up behind him in secret, being called out. Whatever it was, Jesus restored her, not just physically, but he restored her in all ways, completely and fully. And he says, Go in peace. Go in shalom in Hebrew. Be free, daughter. You're a child of God. Your faith has healed you, made you well. And whole. And what happens here is what I'm going to call the great exchange, the great exchange between this woman and Jesus. So, according to the Old Testament, due to her condition, she's unclean. And she would have spread that uncleanness, like I said, to anyone or anything that had touch with her, which made a uh, like I said, very dangerous for her to go into this crowd and put her at risk of being exposed. If being exposed for who she was, she ran the risk of being attacked, shunned, condemned, maybe something worse, but she has audacious faith in Jesus and that audacious faith compels her to go and take this risk to go out into the crowd and come up behind Jesus and touch him. Her desperation led her to Jesus and the faith that she had in Jesus led her to him. And something strange happens when she touches Jesus' clothes because uncleanness does not make her uncleanness, does not make Jesus unclean. Rather than Jesus being contaminated by this woman and her uncleanness spreading to him, his cleanness spreads to her. Rather than her quote-unquote infecting Jesus, Jesus infects her with his holiness, his wholeness, his cleanness. There's a great exchange that takes place. Jesus takes her uncleanness, her shame, her suffering upon himself, and in return, he gives her peace, healing, and freedom. And the good news is that Jesus is ready and willing to do the same for me and for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this would be the greatest exchange, not just physical healing, but spiritual healing as well, where we take our shame, our guilt, our sin, and if we take it to Jesus, he takes that all away, and in return he gives us forgiveness, healing, life. He died the death we deserve so that we can go and be free and live his life, living in his resurrection power. We can live the life that God has for us, the best life, the abundant life, eternal life, scripture calls it. We can know God personally and experience his healing, freedom, peace, and life. We just need to go to him in faith as the woman did, and the great exchange will happen to us. And so if there's anyone who hasn't come to, to Jesus and know him personally, there's an invitation for you to come to Jesus today to confess your sin, to admit that you can't do anything to clean yourself up, that you've got shame, you've got sin, you've got guilt in your life that you can't do anything about. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sins. He rose from the dead to give us newness of life, and all we have to do is go to him, and the great exchange can happen to us when we admit our sin and ask him to forgive us and to come into our life. He'll do it, and we can know God personally and live with him now and forever. And the great exchange in other ways as well for other types of healing, not just to Know God personally and know that we can have a place in his kingdom now and forever, but health and healing in other ways in life. Jesus healed this woman. He freed her from her suffering. Last week we talked about the crippled woman who had been uh, suffering for 18 long years, being freed from her suffering And if we look through the scriptures, Jesus healed all kinds of people on all kinds of different occasions. And a question that many of us often ask is, does Jesus still heal today? Does Jesus still do miracles today? Can Jesus heal us in this room who are suffering? And I include physical suffering within that. Other questions come up as well like people who um, sought healing and didn't get answers from that. And so healing is a difficult topic, especially physical healing. Quick answer to the earlier questions is, yes, Jesus still does heal and do miracles today. Jesus still can. But I'd say Jesus does not promise or guarantee ...that we will have healing when we go to him and ask him for it. Will Jesus heal every sickness, heal every disease? Not necessarily on earth and not necessarily immediately. The women that we've been looking at, they suffered for 12 and 18 years. Why didn't they experience healing earlier? Well, it's perhaps that they never had a face-to-face interaction with Jesus... But I bet they prayed and asked God for healing from their condition, and yet they still suffered for 12 and 18 years. And I would say when we suffer, and including physical suffering within that, we should pray in faith, believing that God does want to heal us. Thinking about things medically, we often go... Uh, to medical doctors, we take medicine, we seek healing in other ways, expecting that there will be some healing that comes from that, and that, as Christians, we expect that people, skilled doctors and others, have the knowledge to bring healing to our body, and that God wants me to do this, to bring healing to me. Now, it may not, but we take it with expectation. Likewise, we should pray in faith with the expectation that God wants to heal, but also We can't force God. We can't say, God, you have to do this. You have to bring healing. There's no guarantee. And sometimes we pray, and we might need to pray for a long time. And there may be an answer to prayer that comes for physical healing, but it may be that we have to endure and persevere through prayer for weeks, months, perhaps even years. And then there's the ultimate healing, right? In the kingdom of God, the perfect coming future kingdom of God, where sometimes we suffer and we might have to physically suffer for all of our life. But for those of us who know Jesus personally and have a relationship with him, we trust that one day there will be relief. There will be ultimate healing in the kingdom of God. Our bodies break down. They get old. My body now is not the same as when I was 20. (laughs) There's physical aches and pains that I have from time to time that I just have to endure. And there's some suffering with that. We're not going to have perfect—if we live to be like 80, 90, 100, our bodies are just not going to be perfect. There's old age that comes, and there's physical suffering with that. And God's not going to promise that we have a 25-year-old body until we're 100, right? That's just part of the reality of life, and we have to endure some of that. But the good news is that Jesus is coming back. He's going to make all things right, including these bodies that break down and are subject to decay and even illness and sickness and cancer and all sorts of other things that happen in life. We can look forward to that day when we will be free and experience complete and total healing and relief when Jesus comes back. And that's the hope that we have. As people who have faith in Jesus, and thinking about healing, you know uh, we 're going to talk about jairus 's daughter, who was mentioned um, at the beginning of this passage. She dies, Jesus brings her back to life. Lazarus dies. Look at that story in a couple of weeks. Jesus brings him back to life, but you know what? <laughs> they died again, as Jordan Lang had mentioned a few weeks ago they had to had to suffer uh death and go through that again, but yet. There's a the future healing for both of them, as they had faith in Jesus. It's just the reality of our of our life and the world that we live in. There's no talk about with this twelve the woman who suffered for twelve years why this happened to her, how it came upon her. I think it's just we live in a sinful world, and this woman had this medical condition that happened because of the presence of general sin, and Jesus came and brought her relief from that. No promise for you and me that we will, but we can approach Jesus in faith, trusting in him. And I do want to read this passage from Revelation 21 as we talk about ultimate healing and the ultimate hope that we have uh, in the future, perfect, coming kingdom. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Great passage to remind ourselves of as we follow Jesus, as we live by faith. The old order that's talked about is our present reality. It's going to be done away with in this perfect coming kingdom of God. We'll have perfect resurrection bodies at that point, no longer subject to death, decay, illness, and whatever pain, illness, suffering you may need to go through now, there's hope. There's ultimate hope that we'll have these bodies that are completely free of any kind of suffering or breakdown, decay, old age. It's what we have look forward to and in that kingdom there'll be no separation from God it says that God's dwelling place will be with us and we'll live with him forever and ever there won't be any conflicts there'll be no more outcasts or anything unclean we'll have perfect peace perfect health nothing evil wicked or destructive and while Jesus was on earth because he was the son of God because he was the Messiah the king of God's kingdom the present reality Um, or the future reality, sorry, broke in into the present in the person of Jesus, which is why you see so many miracles happening around Jesus, because he was the king in that future kingdom that we look at in Revelation. In the person of Jesus, it broke in right now. And so the future reality of healing came now as Jesus went around and he healed people as a foretaste and a foreshadowing of the coming kingdom. He cast out demons because there'd be no no demons or evil spirits or Satan in the kingdom of God. And so he healed and delivered people from illness, from the attacks of the enemy, in other ways to show what God's kingdom is like, to give people that foretaste, that foreshadow of it. And we get to read about it in Scripture. And sometimes, even today, Jesus does the same. He'll use us to cast out demons, to bring healing, to bring deliverance as a foretaste, as a foreshadow of the future perfect reality of the kingdom of God. But we live in the already, not yet. We get to experience it in some way now, but the future perfect reality is still coming. So that's why we still have suffering. We still have to endure bodies that break down and are subject to illness and disease in different ways, but we live by faith, trusting that that future kingdom is coming and will come someday when Jesus returns. Our part is to just pray and live by faith. So as we talk about healing, what about you? What about me? Where do you need healing today? Where do you need Jesus' life to come into your life? Maybe it's physical healing. Jesus still heals. And all these stories, though, that we look that we're looking at, people recognize they needed help and they recognize that Jesus could help them. So we've got to recognize the humility that we need help, and then we've got to go to Jesus just like these people did. Maybe it's mental help. Maybe it's spiritual help. Maybe it's relational help. Maybe it's physical help. Whatever it is, we've got to go to Jesus because Jesus does still heal And maybe it's something that you've suffered for for a long time, just like this woman has suffered for 12 years. Perhaps you've given up hope or nearly given up hope that anything could get better, that anything could change. And even if that's you, I still encourage you to go to Jesus, to pray, to seek his healing. In these four stories in a row, in Mark, with the stilling of the storm, with the casting out of demons, with the healing of this woman, and then with the raising of Jairus' daughter— In all of them, people came to Jesus. So what's your pain? What's your hurt? What's your need? Physical ailment, mental distress, broken relationship. Go to Jesus. Seek his healing, his peace, his presence. And he may heal and deliver you immediately. Or you may have to wait and keep living and praying by faith. Because not everyone in the New Testament was healed. Immediately. It seems like when Jesus was on earth, everyone he interacted with was healed. But if you read through the rest of the New Testament, after Jesus went back to heaven, there are times when it talks about that people had illness, that Paul left someone sick in a place. Well, if the Apostle Paul couldn't heal that person, (laughs) then what? Sometimes people had to have illnesses that, There was no immediate healing from. That could be the reality. But we pray and we seek God in faith. Maybe it's a healing that takes place in time. Maybe it's a healing that takes place through medical doctors. God has gifted medical doctors and nurses and others as well with skill and knowledge to bring healing. And I believe that God does use that. God uses those people to bring healing into our lives as well. We shouldn't neglect Medicine or medical knowledge and skill as well. But sometimes we just need to persevere by faith and trust that God will give us the strength and the endurance to get through and that He'll show us Himself in the midst of our suffering because He is the Christ who suffered for us. And as we follow Him, there is going to be suffering that we have to endure as well. Life is hard and weary at times. And we pray in faith, looking to Jesus, longing for his return and his kingdom. There's a lot more that could be said about healing, and we're going to have a time for healing at the end. But before I leave this passage, I want to zoom out a little bit. If you've got other questions about healing, I'd be glad to talk about it. And there's others would as well. But I'm going to leave that discussion for a moment and just zoom out briefly looking at this larger passage from Mark four thirty five through the end of chapter 5. There's four different miracles here and different people that Jesus interacted with. And as I was, I, I was meditating on this larger passage, I was thinking from a worldly perspective, who would be the most likely candidates for the Messiah to seek and to spend his time with? Well, one would be probably young, strong, healthy men, which we would say probably his disciples were. And then religious insiders and religious, religiously powerful people, like Pharisees, teachers of the law, priests, Levites, synagogue leaders, the Sadducees. Those would probably be the most likely candidates for the Messiah to spend most of his time around. But looking at these passages, the storm was stilled, and that was for Jesus' closest friends, his disciples. But then you look at the next three, and you hear, or we see Jesus healing a demon-possessed Gentile man, an unclean Jewish woman, and a dead Jewish girl, which is not exactly the who's who's list of the day for the most powerful or the most likely candidates for the Messiah, the king, to interact with or to spend his time with. And it made me think, maybe sometimes we need to change our perspective on who's the most valuable in the kingdom of God. Often for leadership development, we're told, focus on those who can attract the crowd, those who are strong and demonstrative leaders, those who are bold, who speak up and have strong opinions. Russell Moore recently wrote an article called, Look for Your Next Leader in the Background, Not the Spotlight. And I thought that was a good title for, for an article for the church. Look for your next leader in the background, not the spotlight. Maybe instead of Bill Hybels, Mark Driscoll, and Ravi Zacharias, we need to look to those who are serving in our nurseries, in the children's Sunday school classes, or those who are shunning the limelight as our heroes of the faith. Mother Teresa never sought a crowd. She never sought a following. She never sought power or prestige. And yet through faithful, loving, humble service, she has impacted millions of people. I've thought about those who speak often at Christian conferences and it's often those who have a podcast, they've written books, they've got a large following in some, in some way. And I thought, I just want to hear someone who served faithfully in some out-of-the-way place for decades or someone who's led maybe a small urban ministry for decades. And I've actually been to a conference where they have had speakers like that. But often the headline speaker is someone who's written books and they've got a well-known name. Maybe in the kingdom of God, we need to rethink our focus and what we need to look at as those who are most powerful. Jesus went to a demon-possessed Gentile man, an unclean woman, And a dead girl. That's who Jesus spent his time with. Like I said, not exactly the most powerful or prestigious. And yet Jesus loved them. Jesus had compassion and care for them. And Jesus had an interaction with them that has influenced millions of people, right? Because their story is in scripture. And how many millions of people have read their stories and heard about them. And it has had an impact in their life. Who might we be overlooking? Who might you be overlooking? The quiet person, the quote unquote disabled person, the person serving in the background, a child, a senior citizen. Perhaps the next great leader is someone we'd say has a disability, is uneducated, or maybe they have a criminal record, Maybe they're a child. Maybe there's someone with a disease. Maybe it's a refugee. Someone who's looked down upon or discriminated against by society in some other way. Maybe they're not who the world would be looking for, but they're exactly who God wants. I don't know if you know anything about Nick V. Vujicic. He was a man who was born without arms or legs. And he suffered a lot. Like when he was a kid... He had suicidal thoughts and wanted to take his life because he questioned why God would allow him to be born without arms or legs. And yet today he travels the world and he tells people about the hope that he has through Jesus. And God has used him through what he's experienced, through his suffering, to be able to minister to countless people because of that. I don't know if you know Jackie Hill Perry. She's written a couple books I've actually heard her speak at a conference, and she can really unpack the scripture quite well. But Jackie Hill Perry was a black, lesbian, unsaved woman. Today, she's married to a man, has children, has authored books, has podcasts, and is a speaker. Jackie had a radical encounter with God who completely transformed her life. She now influences thousands of people every year. But as a black, lesbian, unsaved woman, I doubt many would pick her out as the next great leader in the church. But God did. I hope that God opens our eyes, opens my eyes, to see people the way that he sees them. To see potential where the world, and I include the church, sees none sees no potential. And may God open our eyes to be able to see things in the right-side-up kingdom of God. Often we talk about that the kingdom of God is upside down. The world is upside down. The kingdom of God is right-side-up. And we need to see the world and to see people the way that God sees them in the right-side-up kingdom of God, which is so contrary to the way everyone else looks at people. Looking at people who are humble who serve, who are full of kindness, justice, mercy, truth, love, holiness. Like I said a couple weeks ago, no one is beyond hope or beyond redemption because God can take the ugly and he can bring beauty. He can take the outsider and make them an insider. He can take nobodies and make them somebodies. God can heal the broken, take away the shame, raise up the lowly, and bring the life to dead. He can take a nobody woman with a 12-year medical condition and bring peace, healing, freedom, and restoration because that's who our Jesus is. And I close with this unnamed woman. We don't know her name. 12 years of suffering, not named in Scripture. But I close with Jesus' words that he spoke over her. And I said earlier that he spoke them over, over her because he literally did because she came and fell at his feet. After her 12 long years of suffering physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, socially, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. One touch of Jesus, one encounter with him, and she's healed just like that. Jesus did it for her. He can do it for us. What do you need Jesus to speak over you? Whatever you're suffering from today, go to Jesus in faith. Take it to him. He can bring your healing, your restoration, your forgiveness, your salvation, your freedom, and peace. What do you need? Don't be ashamed. Be bold. Be audacious like this woman was. If I can just touch his clothes. But she ended up with a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. When she touched his clothes, she felt healing in her body and freedom from her suffering. But I wonder what kind of healing took place when Jesus said, daughter. Some of us need physical healing, but some of us need the healing that comes when Jesus says the word, daughter, son, my child. Some of us need him to speak his peace over us. What do you need? Ask Jesus. Talk to him.